to Doctrine and Devotion, a podcast exploring Christian faith and practice from a Reformed Baptist perspective. My name is Joe Thorne. I'm the lead pastor of Redeemer Fellowship in St. Charles, Illinois. And I'm Jimmy Fowler, Elder Canada at Redeemer Fellowship. And can we can we turn the heat up in here just a little bit it's more? It's only like 87. Why, why don't you put your wine in there? <laughs> oh, I'm just saying that. We are warm for the gospel. Wonder, Jimmy likes yeah. it hot. He likes it hot. Warm, and I like hot. it warm. Some like it hot. And, well, and Jimmy does. Caliente is what Jimmy says. Caliente. Mi español es muy malo. We are uh, we're at Wheaton College um, at the Billy Graham Institute. Mm-hmm. Billy Graham Center, but nevertheless, oh, you call yeah, it Billy Graham Center. Good we're at the Billy Graham Hizzy. And uh, this is... Uh, Are we like videoing this as well or just audio? No, 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 just, no, no, just, no, just, just for other stuff. That would be cool, though. You uh, just carry around video cameras with you all the time? Yeah. That one. Yeah, that, that, that's, that's what we do. That's it's not true. creepy at all. The, that's not creepy yeah, at all. We, we just kind of do our thing and then okay, put it's it all up. Good. Yeah, it's all people good. People like it. Mm-hmm. Well, uh, you're listening to Ed Stetzer over there. Hi. Um, Ed is a longtime friend of ours, and uh, he is I now... knew you, and you were working as a waitress in a cocktail bar. You know what? You rescued me <laughs> from that place. I but remember. And then you went... You said, I don't know. We were working at... Human League. One Hit Wonders. I like, doc- I like you, Dr. Ed. Do you yeah. remember I that like song? you. Is that before your day? Probably, yeah. You were working... Yeah, do you recognize it? Do you recognize the song? I recognize okay, the tune. Good. good. Probably because you heard it on some oldie station. Uh, yeah. No, no. I heard uh, when DJ Khalid... Auto-tuned it. That, that's when I listen to it. <laughs> <laughs> Love it. So, Ed, uh, you are like now, and you've been here for over a year, right, as the distinguished I chair? I have been. I've been the chair. I'm just sit, the chair's distinguished. I'm just the guy who sits in it. So you're not okay. All right. I feel so, like you're pretty distinguished. Well, you're very gracious. Um, I don't have that beard that you boys are sporting. No, no, you got your goatee. You got your king, no, but it's a kingly it's kind goatee. Of my, it's kind of my signature goatee. Yeah. So that 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 makes sense. So well, it seems like you got it trimmed up since last time we saw you. Well, I did. I actually it was funny. Uh, CBS News. I was going on CBS News, and I, I suddenly I had it like especially long at the moment. And my wife said, you can't take that on CBS Evening News. But why would she let you take it out of the house? Well, exactly. Oh, exactly. I know. I'm with, you. I'm with you, Ed. You should, be, you should be rocking that thing. So I, I, I went and... <laughs> Steve's and dying. Steve, our guest, Steve McCoy here, works for me at Mission Group. Uh, ding. So anyway, so uh, so I, I snipped it, and then I snipped it a little more than I intended to, and so it's a little bit it's a little bit less right now. It's a little bit less. No, it looks nice. Yeah, thank yeah, you. I appreciate you guys. Good. You guys are fabulous with those, with those epic beards, though. It's good stuff. Well, one of the things that that is... I would say the dominant thing that I've recognized in your ministry that's been on your heart mm-hmm. is is not just evangelism and reaching people with the gospel, but actually seeing disciples made and churches made healthy. Um, in in your in your involvement with uh, the North American Mission Board and everything else, and back they, in the day, yeah, back in the day, and now here um, at this at, at Wheaton, I mean, you've been putting out content. Uh, to help churches like break the 200 barrier, yeah. mm-hmm. which is a really good course. We'll link to that in the show notes so people oh, can thanks. check that out. Um, we have been really encouraged and surprised how many people have responded and resonated with that. I was, I was, where was I? I was, I was with Presbyterian somewhere recently, and how the two people come to, we took the course. I mean, it was actually a Q and A, and someone said took the course. So I think they're they're. You're right. I mean, I care deeply about the church. Ephesians yeah. three ten says God has chosen the church to make known His manifold wisdom. Right. I want to help churches be healthy, biblical, missional, and more. Oh, that's great. Well, one of the things that, that we're also passionate about, it's not just church planting, yeah. but church revitalization. Cool. And God has allowed us at Redeemer to help a few other churches go through that process at a very small scale, uh, kind of learning as we go. But um, we know that you are coming out with um, a, a new, uh, it's a series on... Re- Church course. revitalization. Kind of a course. It's, it's a course. Yeah, it's a right? course. Like, like the Breaking 200 Barrier, it's okay. a course. And this one's called Renewing Your Church. Renewing your church. Um, 
we'll link to that in the show notes. I don't know if it's going to be available for people to look at yet, but it'll be coming out in the spring and you guys are going to want to check it out. But we wanted to pick your brain yeah. about this mm-hmm. uh, in general. And the basic kind of talking points that we'd like to hear from you are is number one, uh, what are signs that your church is in need of revitalization? Because I think that some people may not recognize that they really are yeah. in a place where they need renewal. Um, and then what are some of the reasons that lead to that state in the church before we get to um, how we begin to turn So signs are nobody's there. That would be a that's good the big sign. One? That that, a that's a, one. That's a pretty good, good sign. Or increasingly less people are there. Or uh, And again, keep in mind that we love people of all ages, but if a church is solely senior saints... right. Um, I mean, you know, so when you see the church declining, when you see the church um, uh, struggling to, uh, you know, to exist, to, to, you know, and you can get different levels. You can, you can have a church that needs a revitalization that's, that's running a thousand oh, yeah, people, but sure. it needs to be running 5,000 people. It's a really um, good point. And so, so I, I think there are markers, there are ministries become less effective where the gospel is being proclaimed less uh, faithfully and fruitfully. Mm-hmm. I think when we see um, a sense of loss of direction of the congregational passion is there. So, and, I, and again, here's what I would say. Life cycles are just that way. I mean, you get, mm. we go through life cycles and every church is going to need a revitalization at some point. Now, yeah. you, you, you guys planted, you know, and so, but eventually you're going to look and say, man, we got to, we got to revitalize yeah. or re-engage in some things. Everybody does. You know, I'm the, I'm the interim teaching pastor at Moody Church and, you know, we need revitalization. It's, it's um, you know, part of what we're talking through is a greater sense of evangelism, greater sense of passion. So, you know, it, it, so I, I wouldn't say, I would say any church that is, meets some of those qualifications, stuck, yeah. stagnant, spiritually stifled, whatever it may be, they need that revitalization. And I, what I find is, I, like, I'm wired this way, and I've seen this in other churches, um, that even if they do recognize that there is some sort of a problem, maybe well, like uh, we're, we're losing people or we're shrinking, we, we'll, we'll actually defend what's happening. And, and, and our reasoning is oftentimes, well, we're, we're preaching the pure, the pure gospel. Yeah, yeah, and that's yeah. why mm-hmm. less people are coming. Yeah. Like those big churches are doing it wrong. And we get, we get really <laughs> defensive <laughs> and self-justifying yeah. in our yeah. failure, don't we? Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. And, and, and particularly, too, theologically-minded people have yeah. sort of a sense that decline is a sign you're moving in a right direction. Which is, uh, and there may be cases when that's the case, but I think embracing enthusiastically decline. Yeah. Well, you know, we're clearing out our membership roles so we can have regenerate church membership. Okay, well, I'm, you know, I'm for regenerate church membership, but I, but I think ultimately, um, one of the things that you have to do is you have to, uh, you have to overcome what's often called a remnant mentality. Is that it is good that there's fewer people because then we're the remnant, et cetera, et cetera. Mm-hmm. And what I think we need is instead an evangelistic growth mentality mm. is how do we then, if we are, let's say we do have, you know, proper doctrine and whatever else, uh, how do we then move that uh, forward to proper gospel proclamation? Now, I'm not saying that only growing churches are healthy, godly churches. Sure. But I am saying that to make the assumption otherwise, and or it's an excuse. I mean, gee whiz, yeah. how many times... You know, have I seen students or, or not just students? A lot of times it's students who sort of learn in seminary that, that this, you know, from sometimes, sometimes depends on the school, but different people who've not done it before that now tell them mm-hmm. how to do it and they go out and basically they shrink it down. And they think it's because God wants them to. And, and what I would say is reach people who don't know Jesus and that changes everything. Yeah. And I think that's key. So revitalization through evangelism is ultimately the key. Mm-hmm. So when, when you're coaching people, when you're helping churches figure out what needs to happen uh, for them to regain uh, not just um, energy and excitement, but unity yeah. and mission and all of that. What are some of the first steps that 
that you have to lead them into before they're ready to start doing the work? Yeah. So early on for me, whenever, I mean, I've done, uh, I've actually written, you know, we talk about church planning. I've actually written and done more research on church plan. I mean, on church revitalization than church mm-hmm. planning. So I'm very passionate about this and I've mm-hmm. led several churches through a transition and all, one of the first things we always would do was provide spiritual leadership. So one of the first groups I would meet with would be whatever the leadership team is. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I'm guessing your yeah. church would be elders yeah. and, and Moody Church is elders. But in, uh, I think the first church for me, was, it was deacons, but they're sure. functionally elders in this church. And I met with them and said, listen, we're going to, you know, they asked me to come and be a part of this revitalization. I said, great. I said, but let's meet with the, the deacons. And first thing we need to do is we need to step up our spiritual activity. So I asked mm-hmm. them to begin to read scriptures regularly, to yeah. hold each other accountable, memorize some scripture, share the gospel. Uh, so the first thing I did before I changed anything, before I moved the piano mm-hmm. uh, six inches, was I asked the leaders to step up to a more godly level. And I graciously said to them that some of you got elected to this board because it was functionally a board mm-hmm. uh, because you were a successful business leader right. or whatever. Yeah. But this is a spiritual role. And so we actually, I, I gave them an out and several graciously stepped down in a way. Wow. Um, and that's how we began. Because here's the deal. Um, if you if you turn yourself into an organizational leader before you're a spiritual leader, mm-hmm. people will think there's organizational solutions, not spiritual solutions. Yeah, good point. And so really very early on, we wanted to have those spiritual conversations and then teaching and preaching for the whole church. But I started with the leaders. To answer your question, that would be the first thing. Man, this is why I love Ed Stetzer. Because, oh, gosh. No, for real. Because uh, It's not because you're a goatee. Um, what, <laughs> so not I, he only loves you by half. Exactly. Yeah. exactly. Man, like, because Ed has answers. Ed has yep. a lot of practical wisdom. Everybody that I know that knows Ed, they, they, kind of, they marvel at your brain and the way you're able to kind of remember oh, yeah. stuff and then articulate it. You, you put it all together. But... Supporting all of that is a genuine heart for God, the truth, and the spiritual well-being of the church. And for you to say, because I would have expected you to say, we got to deal with leadership. Um, but I shouldn't have been surprised, but I, I just was thrilled to hear mm. you say, oh, we got to get everybody on the same page with their hearts before the Lord. Like, this is a yes. really encouraging. Well, so, so one of the things, you know, with the leadership thing, I mean, that's leadership. Yeah. So one of the things that is often lacking is how do you get people and push them and encourage them and lead them to have their hearts with the Lord. You lead them. So leadership is always engaged in those things. When we did our uh, research project, Mike Dodson and I, that undergirded the book Comeback Churches, what we found was is that um, there were spiritual factors, but there was leadership to get them to those spiritual mm-hmm. factors. Yeah. But I, I think part of the mistake, a lot of, uh, you know, and there's different, you know, there's different realms. Some people just lead with theology and never get to leadership. And, right. and I'd say to you, man, that's, that's, that's not going to be helpful for you. Uh, some people just lead with leadership without any spirituality. Mm-hmm. And I think ultimately, what to what are you leading people? So what they feel like, I mean, I read, I read someone evaluate uh, a leadership change once and said it felt like we were basically going to a seminar I could have had at work and had a structure better. And I mean, I don't, I don't want to just teach people how to structure. I mean, I do want to teach people how to structure better, but I want to teach people how to structure better because we're moving towards a deeper sense of who God is, joining Jesus on his mission, showing and sharing the love of Jesus. So, so again, I don't want it all down. Matter of fact, the, the number one factor uh, in our research was leadership. I mean, yeah. you know, I mean, let's let's quote a John Maxwell thing. Probably the first time anyone ever quoted John Maxwell on the who's this, this John? Who's, yeah, this, who's who is this? this John Maxwell? <laughs> who is this guy? He's everything rises and falls on leadership, which I don't even know if that was him. Probably someone else before that. But here's the reality: is leadership re- leadership really really is essential? But the first thing you lead people to is going to help frame where you're going. Right. And so deal with structure. But first, lead them to a deeper sense of who Jesus is and how we. Then they're on board. Like exactly. they're they're ready to follow well, you. Exactly, because what happens is if they, you know, that 
you're developing a sense of trust that you are a person of character and a person of leadership. So I would say early on, that's why teaching and preaching is so important. So when I led one church through revitalization, I spent six months teaching and preaching uh, about kind of what it is to be on church on mission in our community. It was an older church. The median age was actually 68 years of age when, when we started. Um, they had a guy named Greg. He was 40 years old. They called him the youth group. Uh, and it wasn't exactly a bastion. It looked like there was an oxygen tank or a walker at the end of every pew. And, um, you know, they needed to hear a heart for now in, in the denominational tradition that, uh, that, that I'm, that I'm from, we actually have a very famous missionary. There are actually two saints that we pray and give money to, uh, right. and <laughs> one of them is named Lottie Moon. And so what I, what I asked them was, uh, you know, I, I would teach them the Bible and say, well, how are we going to live on mission? And I would say, let's start asking, what would it be like if we like acted like mission, a missionary, like Lottie Moon. Everyone's like, oh, I know who Lottie Moon is. Hmm. Lottie they Moon, could identify way, immediately with who exactly, you're talking about. Exactly, yeah. because so they're like, oh, so what did Lottie do? Well, she, and by the way, Lottie Moon, both a Southern Baptist hero, mm-hmm. but also has a feast day on the Episcopal Church calendar. Does she? So I they, didn't know that. I didn't know that either. fact, on two denominations, she's a hero. She's um, a baller. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> That's yet. Yeah, there you go. Um, and she was like, I don't know if she was taller than you, but she was. Aww. She was. She was. <laughs> how tall are you? We don't talk about that. Yeah. No, no, we talk about. I'm not. I'm no, not like Owen Strayan. I can talk about yeah, me yeah. being short. I'm not afraid. You're like what? Four <laughs> seven. I'm four, five eight. foot six. Oh, okay. in your oh heels. My yes, I'm, in I'm your five. Heels. I, I think I'm five five. Okay, so uh, you'll shrink as you get older. By the way, I used to be six one. Now I'm like six. So, so let me look up how tall is Lottie Moon, just so we know. But anyway, so um, <laughs> so because exactly. I want to know because that's like a famous thing. You could actually stand next to her and take pictures. Well, in heaven, I will. Yeah, I mean, well, that's going to be in the resurrection. resurrection She's four three. So, would you be taller than her? Yes, I am just barely taller. Okay. Than her. I can <laughs> honestly say, it. I can honestly say that I would There's just. There's no be, shame with being short. But it's listen, okay, she God. was a, she was a tough lady. Yeah, yeah. I mean, but, but what I try to say to him is, I think about what did she do? She took on Chinese clothing. She yep. ate Chinese food. She she loved her Chinese neighbors, and that's literally the bridge I use to this traditional church, mm-hmm. in, yeah, in, yeah. In Southern Baptist Church, to say, could we be like that? Because we were in a multicultural lower middle class mm. factory. It was a big factory down the road, factory neighborhood. And they were like, oh, man, we should think like missionaries. And so that was the bridge for them. And, you know, having done it with other churches as well that are not, uh, that are different denominations, it's a different path, but that became a point of connection for them. I led them first to spiritual leadership, second to missional engagement, third to organizational changes. I mean, that was kind of the path right. we took. And all three of those are absolutely critical, but oh, no one question. follows mm. another, right? Yeah, no question. And sometimes it might be Depending upon the state of the situation, I'll give you an example. I was at one church um, leading through revitalization that had a 3,000-seat sanctuary, and they were down to about 650 people wow. in two services. Just one contemporary, one oh, traditional, yeah, they didn't okay. like each other. Yeah. <laughs> um, and so you basically got 300 people in a room that sat 3,000 people. Yeah. We had to make major change. So, so it's a lot of times, think in terms of the state of the patient. What I said to them is I literally said to them, because early on they – they, they, they first asked me, I said, no, 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 I'm not going to do it because they, they wanted to make approve every decision. And oh, yeah. I said, listen, what you need, I said to them the first time, you need an emergency room doctor. We're going to have, we're going to have to amputate some stuff. And so when I came into there, we were near bankruptcy, we had wow. to sell some property. Um, and I, I let go, um, gosh, I'm trying to remember how many, because there was actually, they had, they actually had a part-time music librarian in a church near bankruptcy with, oh, I think, I think it was 30 plus staff members. And so we, we had to let go more than half the staff. Yeah. Now, numerically, because yeah. numerically, they were more part-time people. But how do you have a part-time music librarian right. in a church of 600? Well, because it used to be 3,000 people. Yeah. yeah. And so in that case, man, I didn't have time. Right. So sometimes the urgency of the situation demands and creates 
some organizational shift that need to take place much quicker. You know, I don't like that, but that's probably not where most people are going to be when they're walking through these things. Yeah. Well, one of the things that you, you, were, you were touching on here when you were talking to that church that was filled with senior saints yeah. mm-hmm. and you were reorienting them uh, and you were pointing to Lottie Moon, what Lottie Moon was doing uh, was she was engaging the culture. At, right. uh, at, a, at, a, at a level that a lot of other missionaries were hesitant uh, to do that, to adopt the, the culture yeah. wherever appropriate. It was controversial. Adam Judson, right? He, yeah. he, was, he was one of those guys that could do that. So, and I know you're working on a book right now on cultural engagement. Am I right? I am. Okay. Uh, Christians in the age of outrage. Okay. And it's really about how not to be a jack wagon in the current moment too. So, oh, oh that's hashtag jack wagon. Hashtag jack wagon. Jack wagon. Okay, we're. It is absolutely. It's okay. It's okay if you say it. Yeah. Gonna, is that what it is? It's kind of like it. it's edgy, but not too edgy. No, no it's I think ed- it's edgy. It's edgy. Oh. Nice. <laughs> hashtag edgy. Well played. Well played. All right. So, you know, cultural engagement is. You know, it used to get beat up a lot by yeah. all of the uh, popular big conference reformed guys. They used to hate on the term cultural engagement. Should we name names? Uh, I don't no, mind naming no, names. No, no, we're not going to I wrote that, an article. No. It's still you, pretty high ranked on Google about uh, six rules of cultural engagement uh, in response to all that nonsense. Yeah. So, oh, I uh, remember when you wrote that. That was right after a certain conference because I wrote an article as well after that conference. Yeah. And, and uh, they, did you mention it? Go yeah. Oh, yeah, it was TGC. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, it was T four G. That's what I meant. T four G. They're all. Yeah, they look at the act. Yeah, they're all going to worship Piper. It doesn't matter. <laughs> all right, it's all the same. It's all the same. All how right. do you not? I mean, you know, some of the. You know, how do you like, not? So, you know, all you do is just turn up the volume when he starts talking about women. That's how you don't worship <laughs> oh, Piper. Oh wow! Just so, going all in. Anyway, oh, we've been we've been we've been talking about. Listen, about this on the podcast. Oh yeah. Wow. Yeah, yeah. He got the he gets the women thing wrong. So um so we're complimentary. We're just not angry about it, and we still like ladies. Um. <laughs> Maybe you should rephrase that. We still like ladies. You need another way to yeah, say that. We, we really like we ladies. We value the role of women leaders or something. No, we actually value women, not but just the role just, of women yeah, leaders. Right, we right. actually value but ladies. You we got, like, you like ladies. It sounded like a HBO. I didn't special. call them broads. Uh, wow, wow. I don't, I, don't I, I don't know how well, I, I don't, got, We're getting off track here. We're talking about cultural engagement. I don't know how engagement. we got on this. <laughs> okay. But so, culture engagement. I oppose any of the things he just said. All right, that's, that's fine. Uh, uh, hashtag uh, broads at Ed Stetzer on Twitter. Now. Um, what? Well, I, let me say the fine women leaders and professors that I work with here at Wheaton College, I am thankful for. But go yeah, ahead. Absolutely. Yeah, absolutely. And we agree with you. And we yeah. would, yeah, like bring those ladies into seminary, let them teach, man. Let them do their thing. Um, okay. But you're writing a book. Yeah. On cultural, cultural engagement. Cultural engagement called yeah. Christians in the Age of Outrage. Yep. Mm-hmm. yep. So maybe you could just, in a, as I know we're getting towards the end of our time here, maybe you could just explain simply to our listeners uh, what cultural engagement is yeah. and what it isn't, because there's there's bad information out there yeah. about cultural uh, cultural engagement is just you know uh, just acquiring and appropriating everything in the world, and you just become worldly and you use your distinctiveness, and the, of course that lovely doctrine of separation um, that uh, guys like John MacArthur love. So, what is cultural engagement and what isn't it? Well, and so let me say too, reason a lot of people think have bad thoughts about cultural engagement is a lot of people do it badly. Yes. Um, so thus, yeah, cultural engagement is an uncritical embrace. So, for example, I would say that Joel Osteen has done a great job with cultural engagement. I think he has appealed to the culture's desire for hope and the culture's desire for thinking well on things. Uh, but the clarity of the gospel that I would would require is yeah. is not there. Yeah. So, 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 so again, you can do cultural engagement well and end up not doing it well in a way that's ultimately helpful for the advance of yeah. the gospel. So, um, so what I would say is cultural engagement well looks like asking questions that the culture is answering and bringing biblical answers to those questions Um, and doing so in a way that can be uh, understood, though not always received, understood by the culture. So the alternative is what we call obscurantism. 
the root word is obscure in yeah. the English language, but you're obscuring the gospel because it's somehow covered in something else. Um, so people might think, because uh, you haven't engaged the culture well, they might think that being a Christian means becoming a Republican. Mm-hmm. Uh, they might think being a Christian uh, means dressing or singing some sort of different thing. So, so and again, where you guys are, I mean, we joke about your, your rather over-the-top facial hair, but the reality is you guys are inhabiting a cultural context and reaching a people in the cultural context just out in the far western suburbs of Chicago. But in and of itself, is kind of a micro-urban community. You're contextualizing well for that setting. So engaging the culture well means contextualizing for the context and the setting where we are mm-hmm. so that ultimately some indigenous expression of church or church life or Christian community uh, comes into being, emerges. I guess we can't use that word anymore, but comes into being. People have forgot sense. about that. Yeah, I, think well, we're, I think we're okay. Yeah, now. It was yeah. like an hour. It was, like, <laughs> it was like very a, short. The church history is like, the emergent church is going to change. Oh, they're, emergent they're church on. won't even make it into a history book. Yeah, well, it was there. I was, it, was, it, was, it was fascinating to watch. I, it, got, it got me in some trouble. Oh, yeah. We, yeah no, Steve and I used to, we used to jump guys, right into that. You guys were emerging. Where, what, didn't Steve, who's actually here with us, not on recording, didn't Steve, like, you started a thing emerging. You had an emerging blog once. Wow. That turned out so good. But not really well. Steve. So what I would say is that uh, what it's not is an uncritical embrace. What it's not is surface level contextualization. Yeah. Right? Very easy to do surface level contextualization. And it's, you get a band with a smoke machine. Now you're contextualized. But I think people are asking. And what it's not is also going along. So let me give you an example. Um, cultural relevance or cultural engagement in the moment we're in would recognize that we live in a very autonomous, individualistic world. Um, leaving them there is not helpful or right. biblical. So one of the things I say is we should be biblically faithful, culturally relevant, mm-hmm. counterculture, counterculture community for the kingdom of God. So one of the things That's I taught good. recently was, all right, so so we might look, I mean, you guys look like the people that live in your in your community, mm-hmm. um, and that's good. But at the same time, uh, your, the world you live and I live, people don't want to be in deep community with one another. Right. So the alternative is, is that we, here's, you know where we're counterculture? Not in the fact that we don't have facial hair or we wear suits and ties on Sunday. Though, again, I'm, I go to, I, you know, I'm at Moody Church, man. People wear suits and ties, and I thank God for them. But the way we're countercultural is, is that we're up in each other's lives. We're holding yeah. each other accountable. We're, we're inviting people into community and holding them into a covenant inside that community. Man, that's, you want to be countercultural? It's not about keeping your hair off your collar or your ear. You want to be countercultural? Hold someone accountable when they're talking about getting divorced and yeah. say, we're going to do this together and go a different way. Yeah. I think that's the decision. So that's where I would say cultural engagement. And there's a lot of things. I, could, I mean, this is, this is the area I did my PhD in. So I could go on for this for hours, but I imagine your listeners would be rolling their eyes at that point. So maybe we can wrap it up with this. Um, when we're, we're looking at our churches and we're seeing that there's a need for revitalization, whether that's in our church or a friend's church, and we're looking to help, you know, um, obviously we want them to get uh, the, the, the course on revital, revitalization that you have coming out. But um, what could you just briefly make the connection yeah. between why cultural engagement, like just make it real clear for them, why cultural engagement, as you've defined it, is critical for revitalization. Yeah, so one of the one of the aspects of church revitalization is a church needs to be engaging its context well. Now mm-hmm. there's more than one aspect of church revitalization, we know that, but but one of the challenges is that churches that are you know, every church is culturally relevant. The question is is it culturally relevant to a culture that still exists in its context? Right. So, you know, I've often said and I've gotten in trouble for, but I've said at many denominations if the 50s came back, they'd yeah. be ready to go. 
Well, so is the for the fifties bad? Well, there were bad things about the fifties. We would we would you wouldn't have been a person of color in the fifties right. in the U.S. Mm-hmm. But there are good things about the fifties too, right? You know, happy days. All right, beyond that. But um, but the reality is, is that some churches therefore lock into a preferred cultural moment. Now that's not the only place that they can, right? So for example. Uh, Saddleback was very successful in the uh, in the eighties and the nineties. I mean, explosive church, but and people sort of know a church at that point, and it's so globally influential. Uh, you know, I, I preached there a couple weeks ago, and doesn't look like what I remember. I mean, it's changed. It's multicultural. It's multi. It's multi uh, multi ethnic. It's, mm-hmm. it's multi generational. Uh, the approach is different. The feel mm-hmm. is different. So so why? Because I think they're asking questions about where they are. There are a lot of churches, boomer churches from the eighties, that you go visit them today. And it kind of feels like, I mean, the, the band's up there is the Beach Boys, but like the Beach Boys today, not yeah. the Beach Boys back then. And, mm-hmm. you know, they're all kind of singing those big song, prom song to Jesus kind of feel things that were big in the 90s. And, and so what I would say is just such a surface, shallow level thing is music. But you can sort of tell churches tend to get trapped in the era when they thought they were doing the best. Mm. And the reality is we all got to live in the context. And you guys are you guys are very culturally appropriate for the setting you're in right now, to the point where you probably don't think about it. What I want to say to you is, is that 30 years from now, you're going to have to think about it. Yeah. And that's the distinction. A lot of people don't realize that. So churches lose their cultural engagement, their cultural edge. And what happens is they don't notice because, well, it was, it was just who we were. Mm-hmm. You know, so go, go, to a, you know, go to a vineyard or a Calvary Chapel church today. Very Some, different, you know, I'll be with the vineyard leadership just in a few weeks. Some feel very much like it felt when John Wimber was, you know, Mother's Day, nineteen eighty, mm-hmm. at uh, in at the Anaheim Vineyard, and some feel like they're engaging the cultural moment where we find ourselves. And I think the latter is what we want to be. Do so with biblically discerning ways uh, and missionally driven approach. So, and I mean, you gave you gave a few things as far as revitalization and steps to take and things like that. But at what point do you say it it's done? Yeah, that's a great question. At what point do you pull the proverbial plug? Yeah. Um, it's different for every church. I, I would say, to be honest, most churches need to pull the plug sooner than they do mm-hmm. um, because they sort of hold off for a while and they they don't uh, immediately engage uh, in in the thoughtful process. I mean, yeah. so what happens is, and it's kind of sad because there's invariably, and I feel sad because I feel bad for the people, but there's invariably some pastor who used to be a pastor that's kind of just looking for that opportunity. And then there's a church mm-hmm. of 20 people that that pastor sort of gives hope to and because that part, that pastor's identity is caught up, and this is like oh, my one shot. And so, rather than having an honest conversation, I mean, we could we could close this down. We could start another church here. Right. They don't have that conversation. I really like the work. I think all of us know John Mark Clifton. Mm-hmm. What is he? Is he is he John? Cl- is he Mark Clifton now? Right? Because I knew him when he was John. So yeah, okay. I don't know. I, did you go by Mark? Yeah, I, don't, I think he goes by Mark now. So okay. it's kind well, of he's, weird. you know what? He's, he's he's adapting to the culture. Yeah, there you go. Exactly <laughs> by changing his name. But he's done some good work on, on on the issue. Written a book on it. I can't remember the name of the book. Do you guys remember the name of the book? Um, no, we just read know. the sixteen eighty nine. Yeah, exactly, exactly. <laughs> exactly. Wow, that, and and Mark was actually a big sixteen eighty nine guy back in the back in the day. So, but uh, but he's written on church revitalization or church replanting, and I think right. maybe it's called replanting. Actually, I think it is. Um, and, and I think that that you need to look at that sooner rather than later. It's mm-hmm. the book's called Reclaiming Glory: Revitalizing Dying Churches uh, by Mark Clifton. But he talks about how taking them and seizing those opportunities. So, what I would say is, so what are some markers? Um, uh, people are demoralized. There's mm-hmm. not a path to hope for the future. It's financially in, unable to make the transition, those sorts of things. Um, so dying or dead is a good... Listen, when the, when the horse dies, it's a good time to dismount. And if the church dies, let's dismount. Let's send in a new horse and a new rider and see what can be done in that building. Mm-hmm. 
Oh, that's really good. So, go ahead, Joe. Well, I was just going to say that um, you know a, a lot of our listeners uh, are at churches that are healthy, they're yeah. great, um, but I imagine that there are a lot of our listeners who are also in churches that need to be revitalized. Mm-hmm. And just because you've got the right confession, just because you've got a good preacher, does not mean that your church is overall healthy and not in need of revitalization. Mm-hmm. Um, so I want you to look for this course. Um, I'm definitely going to check it out. Well, that's only because your course is sold out. But that was, Revitalite is yeah, sold the, out. Coaching. Now, how much did that go for? Uh, it went for one ninety nine ninety nine ninety nine. You had a course? Well, yeah, called Revitalites. It sold out. Okay, pretty yeah, fast. Revitalites. Yeah, L I T E Z. Yeah, we're trying to adapt. Jimmy to the made Jimmy <laughs> made that up on air, and then he created it as a really? as a product that you that's could purchase awesome. in the store. Wow! But, but it sold out. But it was he put it as sold out. So yeah, real wow, funny, that's, Jimmy. That's all. I want a copy yeah. of this now. Yeah, <laughs> I, think I see it. Revitalites. Um, <laughs> that's so crazy. We'll put a link to that in the show notes so, as well. And you guys have like you guys sell like stuff and through the store and all that yeah. kind of jazz okay mm-hmm. cool, cool yeah cool, yeah cool, cool. so listen please check out renewing your church uh the, the, the subtitle is revitalizing your church back to health and growth every church needs this yeah. that'll be coming out in the spring ed where can they go to connect to you uh to see the stuff that you're putting out what's the website um they go to edstetzer.com all the information is there uh mission group is also you can look right to there and it's all it's all good and if they want to contact you on twitter uh, at Ed Stetzer. Oh, look, so your, ah, your name it. is at Ed Stetzer. Just There's no underscore it. or numbers. No, in there. that's it. Early it's on, good because I don't understand, stop Jimmy. It. What, what is your? What is yours? Is you know, I don't want to talk about I don't, this. Why do you have numbers and underscores because in your name? Some other person, Jimmy Fowler, has Jimmy Fowler, and they're not having it used since 2009. All right, I, I got no. at Joe Thorne. I don't know what no. your problem is. All right, you know how I got on Twitter? Do you know how I got on Twitter? You were reluctant because I was there. Because you got me on Twitter. Yeah. You and Steve got me on Twitter back yeah. in the day. You were like, I do not. That's such such a loser idea, and now I love it. It's because you're old. All the old people like Twitter. All the old people like Twitter and Facebook. Ed, we love you. We love what you're doing. Thank you for making time to talk to us Good. Today. Good talk to you guys. Thank you.